Isaiah foretelling about the suffering of our Savior says, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently or wisely. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Just as many were astonished at you, so his visage, which is his face or his countenance, was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations, kings shall shut their mouths at him. For what had not been told them, they shall see, and what they had not heard, they shall consider. What the prophet is foretelling here is there's going to be a moment when a Messiah would come and his message would be so impactful that it would not require words. It would be done in illustration or in demonstration. And though no words were spoken, yet a message clearly was communicated and received by everyone. And then it says in chapter 53, Who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him or honor him. But surely or truly, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet, in spite of this, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, and he shall prolong his day, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And he shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, because of this, I will divide him a portion with the great. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he has poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. And God bless the reading of his word. Amen. I imagine when Jesus began to read and understand uh, prophecies that foretold his purpose for coming to the earth, that there were some that were hard to swallow. There were some that took a lot of courage and a lot of faith 
in order to fulfill. He knew what was written about him. He knew the path he had to take to purchase our salvation. And scripture said that he entered into the city of Jerusalem on his passion to fulfill the will of the Father with us in mind. He had to see the end in order to go through what he would go through in order to fulfill all that was written about him. It's been noted that the seven last words of Jesus are very profound, and I want to remind you of what those words are, because Jesus did not say things without a sense of purpose. Every single one of these statements points us to the purpose for which he came and reminds us of how he did what he did so that in our moment of temptation and trial, even though it's much less severe than his, we would have a road map in which we could navigate our temptations and our moments where we are tempted to do something outside of the will of God. You know, the only way that you can do something outside of the will of God or the only way I can do something outside of the will of God is first and foremost to know the will of God. Once you know the will of God, then the next step is to take a step of faith and to do it. I I can only breach something or be disobedient to something that I have knowledge of. So Jesus, being fully aware of everything that he had to fulfill knew the will of God, and this is what he said in light of it. These are these profound statements. The first was, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. He knew the need of mankind was forgiveness. The second statement that he made was, Assuredly, today you will be with me in paradise. He knew people needed the hope of heaven, and this could only happen through forgiveness. The third statement that he made was, woman, behold your son, behold your mother. He showed honor unto his mother in a a time where he was broken. He remembered the first commandment with a promise to honor your father and your mother. And he honored his mother in that moment. And he gives us something that we need to hold on to all the days of our life. If you have a mother or father that's alive, the requirement of us as children or grandchildren is to show honor unto them as Jesus honored his mother. The fourth statement was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which speaks of Jesus' brokenness and aloneness so that we could have union and fellowship with the father. He said, I thirst was his fifth statement, speaks of his humanity. He thirsts like we thirst. He was clothed in flesh. He knows what it's like to be fully human. He was thirsty. He was dehydrated. He was depleted of all energy and life was oozing out of him. Every breath that he took could have been his last breath and he cried out, I thirst. The sixth was, it is finished. We're going to come back here In a moment, but what he's saying is that the mission has been accomplished. The mission has been accomplished. And the seventh was, into your hands I commit my spirit, which was a moment of surrender and submission to his father, fully trusting in him that the scriptures that not only were written about his suffering, but also about his resurrection would be fulfilled. But first the suffering came. 
First, the suffering came. When Jesus said, it is finished, I believe that what Jesus said and maybe what people heard were not the same. Jesus did say, it is finished. In other words, everything written about me has been fulfilled. Mission accomplished. But I believe that many of those that were there heard something quite differently. What they heard potentially is, this is the end. It is over. And in their mind at that moment, they had to begin to ponder or to think about, is this really the end? They had just come from a time of sitting with the Lord at his table, just as we have tonight. But it was different than their other meals. It was much different. Because on this particular night, he instituting something brand new. He said, a new covenant I'm going to introduce. And he used the broken bread and the wine as illustrations or representations of the blood that he would shed and the body that he would offer up that would be broken for us. And so they had just come out of this upper room where they were celebrating the feast of Passover, which was really a huge celebration. The city of Jerusalem, which is really uh, quite a large city, even at this time in history, uh, had uh, typical residents, 600,000 people. But during Passover, over 2 million people came. It's like nationals. Just people come from everywhere. And uh, they sleep everywhere and stay with friends. And, and it's, a, it's a, a time of jubilation, a time of celebration. And, and everyone in Jerusalem is partaking of this Passover meal. And Jesus is fulfilling the Passover in the midst of it. And they didn't see it. They didn't get it. They didn't understand it. And so when he said, it is finished, they thought, this is the end. This is, it's over. And they began to probably ask one another, is this the end? We're never going to see him again. And what they saw and what happened to Jesus isn't easy to get out of your mind if you were there personally. A man unrecognizable and they're questioning, wondering, pondering, what now? What next? Where do we go? What do we do? Because they didn't understand yet. And I want to finish my message by saying sometimes when the Lord speaks to us or talks to us, what he says and what we hear are sometimes not the same either. Sometimes when the Lord says no to us, we think never and he may mean not now. Has the Lord ever said no to you? And you thought, well, no need to talk about that. No means never. That's not what no means when the Lord says no. What no means sometimes is not now. 
If God has put something in your heart, it will come to pass. We have trouble hearing, just like the disciples had trouble hearing. Does anybody identify that you have misunderstood maybe at times what the Lord has said to you? It's filtered through our ways, our will, our wishes, sort of our timing, our desires, our purposes. And so I have uh, a lot of mercy and grace for the disciples. I've learned throughout the years after having hoof and mouth disease multiple times that it's better to say I probably would have done the same thing they would have done instead of saying I would have probably not done what they would have done. Have you ever put yourself in the garden and said, how in the world could you mess this up? It's perfect. There's nothing wrong with it. Just one thing you can't do. That's not a big deal. And yet we would have done it too. Sometimes interpretation is uh, an interesting thing in life. And I just want to encourage you on this Good Friday. Let's not misunderstand or misinterpret. What really took place on that day. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So when he said it is finished, he didn't say it is over. What he said was mission accomplished. That's what I want you to hear. It's all been fulfilled. What's left to do but to believe? What's left to do? Only believe. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.